Investment products are not FDIC-insured, not a bank guarantee, and may lose value. Please read other important information, which can be found on the link at the end of the podcast episode. Good morning. This is the Eye on the Market podcast for July 23rd, 2018. It seems amazing to say this, but despite a quarter that uh, where the U.S. is going to grow probably around 4%, and the second quarter in a row with profits growth uh, for the S&P 500 of anywhere from 20 to 25%, uh, it seems to me like now is the time to really start to play defense rather than offense. And there are three reasons for that. One is the gradual onset of further Fed tightening, uh, a few more hikes this year and next, the eventual fade in fiscal stimulus, and then, all of, and then some of the market-unfriendly actions of the administration which include not just the tariffs, which we've written about and talked about before, but also the administration's practice of singling out individual companies for criticism and repercussions, uh, something that President Kennedy actually did in 1962, uh, which then triggered a bear market, and he learned the hard way that market confidence is a risky thing to play around with. Anyway, as the Fed brings this monetary stimulus experiment to a close – And just to remind you of how monumental it's been, this has been the first time since 1830 that we've had an extended period of policy rates below the rate of inflation that didn't occur during wartime. The only three prior periods were the Civil War, World War I, and World War II. Investors hold among the lowest allocations to cash on record, and as rates go up, allocations to cash are probably going to increase. This, uh, this week, we wanted to focus on four investment strategies to think about as the cycle ages because sector and security selection are going to become more and more important. And uh, those four strategies are a regional overweight in the equity markets to the U.S. and emerging markets, uh, offset by an underweight to Europe and Japan. Uh, being underweight Europe and Japan versus the U.S. In, in emerging markets is the gift that keeps on giving and is probably the most remarkably successful asset allocation strategy that I've seen in 30 years. Uh, the second one is within U.S. equities and overweight to tech, staples, and healthcare versus all the other sectors. The third strategy is a, is a secular overweight and preference for double B-rated high-yield bonds rather than B-rated or triple C-rated bonds. Take, take a look at the chart that shows on average 10 years after, after issuance around half of all triple c bonds have uh, defaulted. And then the last of the four topics is the idea of taking positions that benefit from the longstanding pattern of euro dollar forwards overestimating future LIBOR. And uh, if that sounds complicated, it's really not. There's a chart in here that shows that the forward markets are, over time, have generally been a pretty poor predictor of future spot rates, and that has pretty important implications for both investors and also for borrowers. And specifically over time, it's meant that you want it to be borrowing floating rate and buying fixed. So just again, to reiterate, uh, it's the, the economy is growing real well. The labor markets are booming, profits are booming, but the stimulative impact of fiscal policy and all the good news on financial conditions uh, add up to an overall financial conditions index that's now positive but we expect to be around zero by year end. And um, if the tariff war turns out to be a head fake, there's a chance the next 12 months deliver 7 to 10% uh, returns on large cap stocks. But 
Uh, I think the tariff war has some legs. Uh, we're about to, we'll learn over the next few months exactly what kind of retaliation may take place in China. Uh, and of course, there's the issue, the issue that's been proposed of tariffs on $280 billion of auto and auto parts uh, imports into the U.S. from Europe and Japan. Uh, so again, now's the time to play defense in portfolios rather than offense. Uh, and then this week's Eye on the Market, we walk through some of the portfolio strategy that may be useful to you as the cycle ages. Uh, there's also one more thing in there. It's a summer reading list inspired by the Helsinki Summit. Um, for those of you interested in this kind of thing, what was really remarkable to me more than anything else about the summit was the, the, the notion of giving the Russian Federation the benefit of the doubt on issues related to, to spying. It's kind of remarkable given the longstanding history of espionage activities between the Soviet Union and, uh, and the Russian Federation and the United States. And in the, in the reading list this week, we have some really fascinating source materials that you can look at just to understand the uninterrupted stream of espionage activities uh, that have taken place. And one of the most, and I had a discussion with Harvey Clear at Emory University that uh, wrote a book about a top-secret counterintelligence program um, that took place during the 40s and 50s uh, that wasn't unsealed until the late 1990s, uh, and nobody really knew about it until then. And a lot of the Soviet uh, KGB cables and messages to American operatives were finally decrypted and, and released uh, to the public in the late 90s. And we learned a lot about the fact that uh, there were upwards of 200 senior officials, presidential aides, and and members of the State Department and the Treasury Department, um, who actually were exchanging information with the uh, with the Soviet Union and its and its intelligence agencies at the time, uh, it's kind of a remarkable uh, historical revelation. Given what many of us learned in grade school, which was that um, the Red Scare was primarily an overreaction, and uh, and really there was no basis in any of the accusations. And it turns out the historical record is somewhat more mixed. And uh, there's also some information in there on uh, a piece from the, on a book from the Washington Post about a defector, a Russian defector after the end of the Cold War, who claims that there's more espionage activity taking place by Russia against the U.S. now than there was even during the Cold War. So again, uh, that it, it's, it, there are some interesting materials that we, sh we list there that are worth looking at just to get an understanding uh, of how remarkable it would be uh, for uh, a senior U.S. official to begin any dialogue with the, with the benefit of the doubt being given to the Russian Federation. Anyway, I uh, hope you all are enjoying your summer. Uh, we have some upcoming podcasts on uh, private equity um, and also on the credit markets, given late cycle dynamics and the importance of making sure to uh, watch your risk closely in extended credit. All right. So long. That's it for this week. Michael Semblist's Eye on the Market offers a unique perspective on the economy, current events, markets, and investment portfolios, and is a production of JPMorgan Asset and Wealth Management. 
Michael Semblist is the chairman of Market and Investment Strategy for J.P. Morgan Asset Management and is one of our most renowned and provocative speakers. For more information, please subscribe to the Eye on the Market by contacting your J.P. Morgan representative. If you'd like to hear more, please explore episodes on iTunes or on our website. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is a communication on behalf of J.P. Morgan Institutional Investments Incorporated, a member of FINRA and SIPC. Views may not be suitable for all investors and are not intended as personal investment advice or as a solicitation or recommendation. Outlooks and past performance are never guarantees of future results. This is not investment research. Please read other important information, which can be found at www.jpmorgan.com disclaimer eotm.